Well, good morning. It's good to see you here today. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover, and uh, thanks for joining us, whether you're here in our building or you're checking us out online. Um, we really always, always, always want to encourage people to bring your Bibles. So you might have a printed version of that. You might have an electronic version of that. If you're looking for the version thing today, um, tried and tried and tried, and it didn't work out electronically, but you can still just use your Bible, you know, um, I mean, your electronic Bible to just look up Romans 12 or your printed one. So we're going to be in Romans 12 in a minute, um, but the outline's not there in uh, version. but we always have the printed outline in the bulletin. So I encourage you to check that out. So Romans chapter 12 um, is where we're going to be in just a minute. Uh, I don't know if you know who Mark Wahlberg is. He's an actor, but early in his life, he had all kinds of problems. He, was, um, he had run-ins with the law about 20 different times. He actually spent some time in jail, and then he came to know Jesus. And this is what he says. My faith is the most important part of my life. I pray that I will be the best husband and father that I can, which is awesome. But I also like another quote that he said. I can't do some things other actors do, and they probably can't do some of the stuff I can do. So for me, I really don't care if Christian Bale or Matt Damon or whoever gets to shine brighter than me in a movie. I'm here to serve the big picture to do what I can do better than anybody else. End quote. That's pretty cool. Mark Wahlberg gets it. He gets two very important things. First of all, he understands that faith in God changes everything. And second, he understands that his gifts need to be offered, but those are offered as part of a bigger picture. He gets it. In Romans 12, we, we kind of get this same perspective. So just a real quick overview of the three messages we're doing um, from last week in Romans 12. These just help us to see when we're most effective. Last week we saw that we are most effective when we're shaped by God and not the world. Today we're going to talk about our unique role in the team. And then next week we're going to talk about how if we follow God's game plan, it's very different, but it helps us to rise above. And again, all three of these things are fairly uncommon in our world today, unfortunately. Romans 12 is all about fulfilling our mission and our vision. Love God, love people, impact the world. Reach, love, imitate, duplicate. You find the, the essence of this in Romans chapter 12. So I have a question, you know, though, is, is Romans chapter 12 then for the individual or is it for the body of Christ, the whole church? And the answer to that is yes, <laughs> it is. God really impressed this on me individually this summer as part of the sabbatical, this, this idea of, of how I need to live according to Romans 12. But it also is absolutely about us as a body. It's absolutely about us as a body. So it's individual, but when we put all those individuals together, then we have a body that's following Jesus. So Romans chapter 12. And today we're going to use some football analogies. In fact, through this series, we're going to be using football analogies, partially because it's that time of year, um, partially, but uh, also because it just makes sense. So Romans chapter 12, and today we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. Um, but we're going to break it up into three different sections. So we're going to start here with verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So this verse tells us that we need to think of ourselves um, with sober judgment, or some translations say sober thinking. 
and faith. Well, what is sober judgment or sober thinking? It's really hard to translate. That's why it sometimes says sober thinking, sometimes sober judgment. And it includes a few ideas. One of those is the idea of self-control. It means that you're driven, but you're still controlled. Self-control, or self, sorry, uh, sober thinking also includes being rational. It means you've got to use your mind as part of this. It's, it's the, the right perspective, keeping everything in the right place. And sober judgment or sober thinking also means that we need to be humble. Now, that word humility is kind of misunderstood. I think a lot of times it's like, oh, humility means that I, I think bad about myself, I beat myself up, I, I minimize myself, I, I neglect me, myself, I don't have any self-worth. That's not true at all. Thomas Merton said this, and I think he's right on. Humility is being precisely the person you are actually before God. Humility is being the right person, or being the, precisely the person you actually are before God. And if you have humility to be yourself, you will not be like anyone else in the whole universe. See, the key to humility is faith. That's what it says, according to the faith that God has distributed to you or given to you. God gives us faith, and God develops our faith. So humility is simply being dependent on God, knowing that we can't do it ourselves. But you know what that brings us? Man, that brings us freedom. It means that I'm free to, to admit my mistakes. It means that, that I am free to serve without caring what other people think or even if they notice that I'm serving. It means that I, I can win graciously, or I can lose graciously. It means that I am not in a competition with other people. See, you are unique, and God has a unique plan for you, and that should create an amazing amount of self-worth. And the evidence for this is actually in the text as we continue. So let's go on and read verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not, have all, uh, do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So here we see that we need to think highly of everyone in the church family. Billy Graham said this, the smallest package I ever saw was a man wrapped up wholly in himself. I thought that was a good quote. Now, I want you to, to do something. Um, everybody, just look around right now. Just look around. Look at the people around you. You know, not only the people next to you. I mean, look as far as you can see. I want you to look around. And as you're doing that, I want you to say, man, who is just like me in this room? Who is identical? Judd and Julius, even they aren't the same, all right? <laughs> I knew someone was going to say it, so I just brought it up. But they're different. I mean, if you know these guys, they're completely different. Everyone is different. We have different passions, different, different desires, different backgrounds. We look different. But you know what? We are a family, one family. Now, in a lot of ways, that's a great thing. We love our families, don't we? Like, we're thinking of our, our, our nuclear families, our individual families. I mean, they're fantastic. But who drives us crazier than our own families, right? I mean, just being really honest. I mean, that's, it's because it's the people you're around all the time, right? 
So parents go against parents. You know, you got this going on and kids and parents going on, kids against kids, cousins. And everybody has that crazy uncle that comes to Thanksgiving. You're like, oh, man, he's going to be here again this year, right? Uh, we, we parents, when we go out in public, our kids are like, oh, man, and they want to wear sunglasses and hide. My kids still are like, Dad, every time we go in public, you totally embarrass us. And I'm like, yes, I'm still a good parent. It's good. Good to know. But we don't communicate all the time very well. We don't understand each other. But what are we? We're family. That's how it is in the church. We're family. Family. And just as our physical families are united by blood or by adoption, our spiritual families are united by the blood of Jesus and by being adopted as his children. We are family, one family. And I think in today's world when there is so much division, there is beauty and strength in being part of the body of Christ united we have division in politics, in, in religion, in race. There's nationalism. There's economic status. You know, you don't have the same money that I have. We have division through sports teams, and that can be fun. But honestly, sometimes that gets a little crazy. I mean, really, some of the things that people will do to each other, it's crazy. Fans of, of entertainers, no, this, these guys are better, whatever. And it's okay to have opinions, but we need to be united. A united body thrives. And Jesus said a body or a house that's divided is going to fall. It's going to suffer. So we want to value the similarities that we have. But it's okay to value the differences that we have too because we're not all alike. We're just family. We care for and value everyone. I think it's fascinating that Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, who just passed away, um, they were incredibly different in their views, but they were the best friends on the Supreme Court. Now, how is that possible? How is it possible to have completely opposite views on almost every issue and yet be great friends? Here's the key. Scalia said this, I attack ideas. I don't attack people. Some very good people have some very bad ideas. If you can't separate the two, you'd better get another job, end quote. I think that's instructive for us as followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus don't attack people. We don't struggle against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the devil, against the lies of Satan, against the dark forces in the world. And honestly, if you can't separate the person from the idea, you better get on your knees or get out of the church. And I'm, I'm speaking honestly because you're not representing Jesus well. And the world needs to see people who love, can have different ideas, but we are united. It's very important. Jesus was grace and truth. Both are needed. We're supposed to speak the truth, but do that in love. See, followers of Jesus, when we look around the room, we may have differences. Or when we look at other people in the body of Christ, we may have differences, but we are all on the same team. One of the things I love about 
uh, being part of this Dublin community that we're in, um, our church, is that I get to get together every two months with uh, other senior pastors in the Dublin context. And when we get together, there's no talk of, you know, oh, we're doing this huge program and this thing is going great and, you know, wow, da-da-da. Here's what we do. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Hey, Steve, how are you? Man, Randy, it's great to see you. And there are about 10 of us. We don't all make it to every meeting, but we talk about how we're doing. How's life? How can I pray for you? Is there anything going on at your church that we can pray about? How can we work together to reach the city? And man, it is an amazing, sweet fellowship. It's also fun to sit there and just have doctrinal discussions and make fun of all of those guys who are wrong. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but that's, it is, we understand we don't have all the same exact beliefs, but here's what we believe, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And it's a blessing to be part of a body like that. So we as a church, though we are diverse, we are one body. And as it says, every member belongs to everyone else. So we need to think highly of every person in the church family. And, and just kind of an introduction for next week, even if people aren't part of the church family, we still need to behave as certain, a certain way as followers of Jesus. In fact, maybe even more so, so that they can see Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to see how to do that a little bit more next week. All right, let's continue, verses 6 through 8. We each have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So here we see that each person needs to think highly of their God-given gifts. God equips each of us as followers of Jesus with unique gifts, at least one spiritual gift. And discovering and using our gifts as living sacrifices, as we talked about last week, as living sacrifices offered to God indicates that we are a healthy, growing community. Now, here's a very simple def definition of the gifts that are listed here because it's helpful to understand what these things mean. So prophecy, we, we usually think of prophecy as like foretelling the future, but it's really a, a lot more about forthtelling. It's telling, the, it's speaking the truth of God, using the word of God, God's words to talk to the culture. That's what a prophet is supposed to do. Serving means that you see a need, you find a task, and you personally take responsibility for it and make sure that it's accomplished. Teaching is taking the Word of God, the truth of God, and making it applicable to life. Encouragement literally means to walk beside someone to help them through life with prayer and guidance and kind words. Giving generously is the spiritual gift of lavishly and freely sharing your God-given resources of time and money. Leadership is demonstrating a servant's heart while providing direction and vision and correction and shepherding. And mercy, as we saw last week, is having compassion for someone who is in a situation that's just 
basically miserable. Now, you might have a question. You know, I, I read through that list. I really don't feel like I connect with any of the gifts there. Well, there's good news. There are multiple lists in the Bible, and they're written on the, in the outline for you. Other lists of spiritual gifts. But I, I want you to understand that none of these gifts is supposed to be an exhaustive list of the things that God gives. They are things that God gives, but God gives us God desires. And, and sometimes we try to put the Holy Spirit in a box, and that's not really a good thing. The main point is that every one of the gifts um, that is listed here is something that God gives. God gives a gift to every person. Every person is unique, and every person is vital. So we're going to do a little illustration now. We've got five teenagers who are going to pop up here and help us out. Um, so team representatives, please come up to the platform, and everybody welcome our NFL team representatives. Go ahead with the slide. Yeah, they're waiting for you. Go. Woo! Here we go. Testing, testing. One, two. Can Hang everyone on. hear me? We got, we got to hear the music. Music. Here comes. There we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> In the round of the NFL special draft, Team A selects. All right, we're at the NFL draft, and we have a special draft today. So go ahead, Team A. In this round of the NFL special draft, Team A selects the following four players. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Matt Ryan. All right. Go Team A. Team B. In this round of the NFL special draft, Team B selects the following four players. Joe Thomas, Tyron Smith, Andrew Whitworth, and Joe Staley. All right. Team B. Here comes Team C. In this round of the NFL special draft, Team C selects the following four players. J.J. Watt, Cameron Jordan, DeMarcus Ware, and Julius Peppers. All right. Team D. In this round of the NFL Special Draft, Team D selects the following four players. Steven Goskowski, Steven Hoshka, Dan Bailey, and Justin Rucker. All right. And finally, Team E. In this round of the NFL Special Draft, Team E selects the following four players. Josh McNone, Steve McLennan, Sheldon Richardson, and Chadler Chadanzaro. All right. Hey, let's give our team representatives a big hand and a football. All right. Woo! Yeah, everybody gets a football. All right. Catch. Oh, all right. Here we go. Thank you. <laughs> Here's what I want you to notice. Um, those of you that are like super huge football fans may have noticed those lists were kind of interesting. Because here's what was going on. Team A chose all quarterbacks. Every one of their picks was a quarterback. They're thinking, you know, the quarterback is the point person. We need that person on our team. So every single, if you just imagine in your brain, you, they went through the draft. Everybody on their whole team is quarterbacks. Team B, they said, you know what? The left tackle is really important. Because it doesn't matter if you have a good quarterback. If they get sacked all the time, it makes no difference. We have a team of all left tackles. Team C said, you know what? You've got to have the defensive end to disrupt the quarterbacks. You've got to create problems. So we have a team of defensive ends. Team D said, you know what? Every single year on every team, the person who makes the most points is the, the kicker. Our team is all kickers, right? So we have a team of all kickers. And you know what Team E did? Team E was, is predicted to be the worst team in the NFL this year. It's not actually the Browns. It's the Jets. Yeah. And you know what Team D did? Or Team E did? They had a quarterback, they had a left tackle, 
they had a defensive end, and they had a kicker. And those are actual players from the, the Jets. <clears throat> Which team, if you put a team out there that had all, you know, one type of team, everybody is the same, or another team had specialists? Even if they're supposed to be the worst team in the NFL, which team is going to win the game? A team that has people who are gifted in all kinds of areas. It's huge. It's a huge thing for us to understand. We need to have people who are gifted at every position in the body of Christ and who are committed to do everything that they can to serve in their unique role. Now, think about that football team again. Let's say, go back to whatever your favorite team is, um, and it's, it's the normal team as it is. But at practice, all of the uh, quarterbacks are, are working on blocking drills. And all the uh, left tackles are, are trying to kick field goals and extra points. And the defensive ends are out trying to throw the ball. And the kickers are working on their rushing techniques. What kind of sense would that make? Dave Welsh mentioned in our staff meeting this week that in the Air Force, it takes 10 people on the ground to get one pilot in the air. Every role is vital. So just making this real practical, how do I know what my gifts are? How do I discover those? Well, we encourage you to use the spiritual gifts tools that are on our website. And in the bulletin, there's information on that. You just simply go um, where it says there's a link there. But on the website, if you go to resources, um, there's a place where you can find out to do a, an inventory and find out what your spiritual gifts are. And once you know what your gifts happen to be, how do I know where I should use those? Well, when it let you know we always uh, try to have ministry fairs so that people can see where they can plug in. Our ministry fair is coming up October 1st, so we encourage everybody to be here that day. A ministry fair is kind of like going shopping on Amazon. Like, there's something for everybody, you know? You just, you go and you look and you see what fits and what makes the most sense. Let me just tell you a couple things today, some, some needs that we have that would allow people in the body to serve Children's ministry needs about 50 people each week. Isn't that amazing? 50 people each week serving in children's ministry in all kinds of roles. Some of them don't even involve being with children. They're, they're being supportive in the ministry. And, and I have to let you know, right now in children's ministry, there is a high need for the next two weeks. And it's simple ministry opportunities. We really need some people to step up. We're trying to give our, our teachers for the rest of the summer, our, our, we have teachers that serve through the whole school year, and we need some people to step up for the next couple of weeks um, to get us through, to, to reach out and just show those kids that you love them. So see Cindy Herpelsheimer for that. She would be more than happy to uh, help you out. Just a few people that would step up and say, yes, I want to serve. There's all kinds of opportunities. You can talk to, to Jordan about youth ministry opportunities. Um, as has been mentioned, part of being in the body is being in a life group, being in a discipleship group. You can talk to Jim or Joanne about that. Um, Dave has done a, a wonderful job of, of getting our global outreach partners together. We're going to be doing that again next week with the food bagging. On September 17th at the Cruising for a Cause, we'll have some of our global um, outreach partners here. Um, international friendships you heard about today. Um, 
If you're interested in hospitality, you, you want to help serve, um, make meals, whatever kinds of things that um, are needed for the body, Debbie Crusoe is a great person to talk to. We need people to take pictures um, for our website and for ministries. We need people to run slides and do cameras and, and do recording and sound. You can talk to Lynn Borton about those, all those AV opportunities. We need people to serve in our facilities. We have a massive, wonderful facility, but it needs work. It needs work just like our homes do. Chris Heasley and Doug Keffer can help you. Those are areas that you can just plug in. Maybe not spiritual gifts areas. Some of those are. But those are areas that you can serve. Again, jumping in and making a difference. You know, one of the things as we think about spiritual gifts specifically, I think there are some dangers that we should address quickly. One of them is being jealous about someone else's gifts. Again, it's the quarterback wanting to play linebacker or the linebacker wanting to be the kicker or whatever it happens to be. It's being jealous of someone else's gifted, giftedness. It's like the hand being jealous of the eye, the eye wanting to run, the foot wishing it could hear, and the ear deciding that it's ticked off because it doesn't get to circulate air like the lungs. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> so rather than compare ourselves to others or trying to be like others, we need to appreciate that God distinctly forms and trains and equips us to play our unique role as part of a winning team. A second danger is thinking that you're only called to serve in one area. Honestly, there are certain things that everybody on the team needs to do. For example, you may not have the, the spiritual gift of giving, but you are still called to give. You may not have the spiritual gift of evangelism, but you are still called to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Everyone should be hospitable, even if your gift isn't hospitality. You get the idea. So yes, please serve in your area of giftedness. But remember that every Christian is called to serve and to grow as God increases our faith. I think another danger is not even using or developing the gifts that God has given us. Paul, who wrote Romans, uh, also wrote um, two letters to a man named Timothy, a young man that he was mentoring. And in one of those, um, he says, Timothy, I want you to fan into flame the gift that was given to you. The gift, the spiritual gift that God gave you needs to be fanned into flame. You guys know how it is when you're in a fire, a campfire, and it starts to, to kind of go out and the embers start to go down, and you fan it, you stoke it. It's the same way spiritually. If we don't use a light, utilize a gift, it's going to begin to die out. And Jesus even talked about how uh, if you're not using uh, something that God has given you to use, he may just take it away from you. We all need to serve continuously for the team to be most effective. In fact, service here at Discover is one of our core values, and it reads this way. God provides gifts and resources to every person. As followers of Jesus, we intentionally and prayerfully offer them to do life-changing ministry. We look for ways to contribute rather than consume. See, everyone has a role on the team. Obviously, the, the players on the football team, but the front office, they're part of the team. The coaches, the cheerleaders, the band members, the scouts, the support team, they're all part of the team. Now, I do have a question, and maybe you've asked this yourself. Is there a role for the watchers, you know, the fans in the stands? First of all, I'm a Bengals fan, so I go like, when the Bengals win, I, I tend to say, we won. It's kind of silly, isn't it? <laughs> I'm a fan in the stands. I'm not really participating. But there is a role, there is a role for the fan in the stands. Let me explain it. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we have this list of all these people of faith who lived amazing lives, who, who, who did things that God told them to do, who were the people God called them to be. Just a, an amazing list of people. Then in, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says that these people are the cloud of witnesses who are now watching us as we run this race, as we play on the team. Now, here's the thing about everybody that was in chapter 11 and it's in chapter 12. What's the key? What has happened to every single one of them? They are what? They're dead. <laughs> they aren't breathing here on earth. Now, they're alive with God, but they are no longer breathing on earth. So once you die, you're allowed to be a fan. Until then, the Bible gives no retirement age for the Christian. There's no such thing. As long as you're breathing, you're supposed to be serving in some way. You're gifted. You're valuable. So as we close, we just need to answer each need to answer this question. How am I helping the team win? How am I helping the team win? Well, what's a win? A win is a life that's changed. A heart that, that's redeemed. A person that's rescued. A soul that is saved. Obviously, most important in that is God. God's role is the most important role. But God gives us responsibility and opportunities, and each of us play a role as well. And when we all play our role, the team wins. So discover your gifts and impact the world through service. Tyler Jarrell, a teen who was killed at the Ohio State Fair um, when that ride uh, just broke, this that horrible situation, he was planning for a future life of service. And it's a tragic story. And it's a different kind of tragedy, but it's still a sad situation when those of us who are still alive don't use our gifts to serve, to make an impact. Because when you serve, you honor those who came before you, such as the people in Hebrews and such as Christians who have gone before us, who have run their race and are now in heaven. But most of all, you honor God by using your gifts, your talents, your passions, and your experiences in service. See, the, the church isn't a building. Church isn't even an event. Church is people who are on a mission with God, who have a vision for reaching people with the good news of Jesus. So how are you helping the team, the kingdom of God, to win? When each person fulfills their role, God changes lives, rescues people, and he saves souls. Let's pray. God, you have gifted each of us. We ask that you would remind us that you have great plans for our lives as you work in us and through us. Thank you. And may we be an uncommon team completely sold out to your mission and your vision. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Right now, we're going to sing a song of commitment. And in a world that calls us and entices us with so many things, we need to choose to follow Jesus, to, to allow the Word of God to work in our lives, to, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we need to do that today and every day. So come to the altar. Maybe physically come up front, but in your heart, for sure. God is waiting for you there with open arms. Let's stand and sing.